Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. They know the ins and outs of everywhere we're going. They will protect you. Horses, run! And they just like, <laughs> block. I was like, what? <laughs> I feel like I got a great break on a used car. <laughs> I, I, I thought that, was, that was a great, great quote. <laughs> this is war, Marcus. He's going to the bathroom. Are you in his house, you little psycho? <laughs> Get, the, get out of there. Look, it's a giant womb. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. What's up? Nothing. How you doing? I got to make a phone call. Give me uh-huh. two seconds. Are you are you cynical, smarmy PR man, Stu Shepard? I am indeed. Oh, then I guess you've come to the right phone booth. <laughs> what are we doing today? We are doing phone booth. <laughs> Did you not know what year it was? Because you were. I'm sorry. 2002's phone book. There you go. Feel old now? Feel old now. Well, I didn't want to say what year it was. <laughs> 20 years old. Holy shit. Welcome to the show. If this is your first time, get ready for, I don't know, just get ready. For some facts and then some discussion. That's right. Let's, I'll tell you what the movie's about. A little brief synopsis, getting some facts, talk about, talk about what we thought about the film, and then uh, that's it. Wrap it up. All right. As I said before, cynical, smarmy PR man, Stu Shepard picks up a ringing phone in a booth in a busy New York street to find a killer on the line. Armed with a high-powered sniper's rifle, the anonymous caller soon proves his prowess and presents Shepard with a choice. Convince the police of his story before they shoot him or drop the phone and be shot. His only hope lies in self-abasement and facing up to the truths of his life. What do you think of that? That was a bad mess. Synopsis. I mean, it was right, but it's uh, not. Uh, first of all, busy street. It's Times Square. Also, sniper's rifle. It's a sniper rifle. Who calls it a sniper's rifle? It's not Times Square, but, but I hear you. Good, not great. Good, not great. Yeah, it's all right. So phone booth has a runtime of 81 minutes. It's rated R production budget of $13 million. It's uh, release date was April 4th, 2003. And we'll get into that a little bit, uh, even though it is listed as a 2002 film. Uh, it, opening weekend, it did $15 million, domestic 46.5 and worldwide $97.8 million. So quite a hit, which I was very surprised. I did not realize that back in the hmm. day. Also 20 years ago, back right. in the day. <laughs> Long time ago. Production company was Fox 2000 Pictures and Zucker Netter Productions and distributed by 20th Century Fox. So as I said, it came out on April 4th. It went up against in a wide release, What a Girl Wants, A Man Apart. And dysfunctional family, I believe that is the Eddie Griffin or Eddie Griffith Griffin, Eddie Griffin comedy special. You're staring at me like you don't know who I'm talking about. I know Eddie. Okay, okay. It also had it came up in a limited release against Cowboy Bebop the movie. The following weekend, April 11th, there was a movie in a wide release called Anger Management with Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson. Again, I did not realize that was 20 years old. I like that movie quite a bit. I I only watched it the one time. I enjoy it. It's it's Goose, Goose Fraba. It's funny. Uh, limited release, also House of a Thousand Corpses, Better Luck Tomorrow, and XXXY. I guess that's how you say that. That is the uh, 
independent film with Mark Ruffalo. Uh, then the week before, the 20th of March, at a wide release of The Core, Basic, Head of State, and Spirited Away, the animated film. And a limited that week was Assassination Tango, which is with Robert Duvall, and The Pianist with Andrew, Adrian Brody and Oscar Award winner Anna Paquin. If you listen to our other episode, what are you typing away over there? What are you doing? Don't you worry about what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what basic is. Basic is with. I guess, why don't you just ask me and I will watched. tell you what it is. I want to know if I saw it. Before. It's one of the last films that John McTiernan directed. Before he got arrested. B- before he got made an example of. Come back, John McTiernan. Come back. He's got a movie coming out. What is it? This year or next year. Nice. Some kind of sci-fi action movie. I'm Excellent. Excellent. I am all for John McTiernan making movies again. Woo. I've seen quite a few of those movies that are on that list for once. What? Basic? The core? The core is not good. The core is not good, but I've seen it. Head of State is okay. Head of State's got some funny moments. I mean, a part I've seen. Uh, does, uh, what a Girl Wants? I actually have seen that. That's <laughs> fine. I've seen, I've seen Better Luck Tomorrow. I've seen House of a Thousand Better Corpses. House of a Thousand Corpses is when the one Rob Zombie film. I yeah. So if you have a question about a movie, you ask me, man. I'll Sorry, tell you. Right, what's basic? I, I've seen Assassination Tango. What's basic? Basics with, so somebody is murdered, somebody's killed, or sergeant's killed, it's played by Samuel L. Jackson. And he's in charge of a bunch of these guys or they go off into the jungle and he is murdered. And so John Travolta plays a character guy who comes in. Tim Daly is the guy who runs the base. John Travolta comes in and he's questioning, trying to find out the truth that happened. Right. What happened? What happened out there? And every time he talks to different people, there's a lot of people in the movie. Every time he talks to somebody, the story changes. And so he's kind of getting different versions of the event. And you, you find out that there's been, there's, it, this might be about drugs and on the, on the base. So there's like, a, it's like a big kind of like mystery, like back and forth, back and forth. So it, it's actually pretty interesting. I enjoyed it. And it sounds and very general daughter-esque. Better than the general's daughter. Much better. I believe, I believe, but you know, that, that's my opinion. I remember it not being good, but. The general's daughter, it's better than the general's daughter, but I, I understand what you're saying. That kind on of. On the base kind of yeah. investigating something yeah. happened. Yeah. All right. This film is directed by Joel Schumacher, who did The Lost Boys, Flatliners, Tigerland, and of course, Batman and Robin. I did not, I forgot that he passed away two years ago, which kind of bummed me out. Uh, This is written by Larry Cohen, who actually passed away 2019. He has done It's Alive. He actually has done, I believe he's done most of the It's Alive movies. The Stuff, of course, Maniac Cop and Body Snatchers. Have you seen any of them? Have you ever seen It's Alive or The Stuff? It's Alive. I've never seen The Stuff. I've seen Body Snatchers. Okay. You seen Maniac Cop? No, I know of it, but I've never seen it. Cinematography was Matthew Glibatique, who was nominated for two Oscars, one for Black Swan and the other for A Star is Born, the, the new one. He's also done Iron Man 2, excuse me, and Birds of Prey. Composer was Harry Gregson Williams, who's done Chicken Run, The Rundown, Team America World Police, and The Last Duel. Edited by Mark Stevens, who's done Chain Reaction, 8mm, and Freddy vs. Jason. Produced by Gil Netter and David Zucker. Netter has done... Um, He's been nominated for two Oscars for movies that he's produced for Life of Pi and The Blind Side, which were obviously nominated for Best Picture, and A Walk in the Clouds. And then David Zucker has done Scary Movie 5, Airplane, Top Secret. He's also directed those. If you know the Zucker brothers, you know mm-hmm. their, their work well. All right. So the cast is not a big one. Colin Farrell plays Stu. He's obviously from Minority Report, which we'll hear later on this season. Daredevil in Bruges, which we did earlier last season. And The Batman, which I have yet to see because I just can't carve out eight hours to watch it. Came for Sutherland plays the caller. He's in Stand by Me, Young Guns, the TV show Twenty Four, and the new TV show that's out right now, The First Lady. He plays Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He plays FDR. Forrest Whitaker as Captain Raimi. He was he won an Oscar. Do you remember what he won an Oscar for? Do you remember what movie? Uh, The Last King of Scotland. Correct. He's also in Ghost Dog, Rogue One, and Platoon. 
I always remember him from Platoon. A, a young, young, young Forrest, uh, Forrest Whitaker. Rhonda Mitchell as Kelly. She actually plays Stu's wife in this. She's in Pitch Black. We were just talking about her. Yeah. Man on Fire, Silent Hill, and Olympus Has Fallen. I think she's in all the, I think she's in London as well as well. Kitty Holmes' uh, wife, I believe, right? In this? In London as Fallen. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Kitty Holmes is Pam. She is the, I guess, the actress. Would be mistress of Stu. I guess he wants her to be his mistress at some point. She's in Logan Lucky, which is an episode we did. She's also in Pieces of April, Disturbing Behavior, and the TV show Dawson's Creek. Richard T. Jones is Sergeant Cole from Event Horizon, the, the TV show The Rookie, and the 2014 film Godzilla. And then Paula J. Parker plays Felicia. She is the hooker in this movie that yells at him constantly. <laughs> She's also <laughs> in Why Do, Fall, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, Hustle and Flow, and Idlewild. And I didn't catch him in this, but Ben Foster's in this film, and I did not catch where he was, but he's got his role as Big Q. Ben Foster's the rapper at the beginning. Is he? I totally yeah. missed that. I thought it was Aaron Paul at first, but I guess it's uh, I guess it's Ben Foster. Oh, that makes sense then. I should have went back and watched it because I was like, where was he? Oh, I I'm totally... gangster. I don't need to take this from you. I'm big. I'm big. I'm big gangster. He's like the two big guys. <sighs> yeah, I know. So anyways, he was. we did an episode for 310 to Yuma. He's in that, which he's great at that. He's also in Warcraft, which I understand why he did it. But it, I don't think that he's got a HBO show coming out soon or something. He's in um, a ton of season. Hell or high water. He's in a show where he's in a movie where he's a Holocaust survivor. Who's a turned boxer. Oh, yes. 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 Correct. I, I want to. That looks good. Yeah. That is cool. It looks good. He's also in. He was just in that film that I watched with Kiefer Sutherland. And who's the lead in that? Uh, not Chris Evan. Uh, Chris uh, Pine. Chris Pine, yeah, wrong, wrong Chris, the con the, the contractor, contractor, right? The contractor, yes, yep. he was in that too. So I just I just watched that maybe like a month ago. I know Ben Foster's a very good actor. Oh, he's fantastic. He just always he's they always cast him as like this one. He's a good guy a little bit in the contractor, but they always cast him as like bad guys. You know, he always gets maybe he that's, plays bad guys or he plays a very smaller, much yeah, smaller role. Yeah, no, I, I I'm a I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. All right, so uh, we can get into, I got some other facts that we'll pepper in there um, throughout, but I'm curious. We, well, I've seen this before. I thought you'd only seen parts before. You never saw. No, that. I, uh, maybe I, I remembered pieces of it. I, but I know that I. On the last episode, mm, you said you'd never seen it. No, Info. I've, I've, because I remembered. I must have watched it. I don't remember all. Of that. I didn't remember how it ended. I didn't remember like, uh, but like the moments that are popping up, I go, "That's familiar to me." That's right. Familiar. Okay. So, well, um, I had seen this movie before. Sure. I put it on the list. So this time we're gonna start off with you. Okay. Tell me why you hated it. I just don't think it holds up. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Fuck you. I just don't think it holds up. I, I I mean, like, I'm sorry that I have that opinion, but that's my opinion. Yeah, eat a dick. It just, <laughs> you tell me why it's so great. You tell me why it's great. How it's a good that? film. Why? It shot well. Why? It's 21 minutes. It's a tight one. Like 120. Uh, one well, shot in real time. It's supposed it's, to. It's, it's, it's like nice. It's quick. Time. The acting's good. Colin Farrell's good. It's got a small cast. Colin Farrell's it's shot good. Okay. You know, it's just, it's a tight thriller. It, it works. I, I just don't think it holds up well. Why? Why doesn't it hold up? I don't like the picture in picture. I don't. I don't like when he's when he's calling people and it just it's like the picture in pictures pop up and he's talking to them and I got to see them. I I wasn't a fan of that. That's a stylistic choice. That's that's my personal preference. I just wasn't a fan of that because he does the picture in picture, but then at some point, I believe they actually go to them. They have shots of them in their apartment or in the restaurant instead of using the PIP. Oh, I wrote PIP down in my notes. That's yeah. So I wasn't a fan of that. I understand what the opening monologue is where we suddenly have a voiceover explaining like the world and, and, you know, 
the whole thing with the oh, cell I phones. I didn't like that. Oh, you didn't like it, Butler? I oh, think it's a perfect film. I, I, I didn't under I didn't understand that because I, the whole, I think it's a remnant of maybe the original idea that the screenwriter had. Well, it comes from Hitchcock era. Well, here's no here. It, I'll tell you why it's there. I I think okay. is that Larry Cohen was writing cellular when he was when he had this when he was pitching this film. Got yes, it. you're right. The original idea for this film that Larry Cohen was going to work with Hitchcock and they were going to do this film in the 60s. He had this idea in the 60s, but they could not figure out why he would stay in the phone booth. Like right. why would keep what would keep him in there? Obviously, he can never do it. Hitchcock passes away. Twenty years later, in the nineties, Cohen has the idea about the sniper. But he's also it took him thirty years to figure out. Hey, there could be a sniper. Well, he was writing, like I said, he was writing the movie Cellular with Chris Evans, which actually is a good film. I like Cellular a lot. I remember Cellular being okay. So I think that's. I think there was a crossover there. I think that's what I think. It, maybe he didn't intend it. I just didn't understand why we're starting off on a satellite when he uses the payphone for the entire movie. I just didn't get that. I didn't like the. I didn't like the uh, the voiceover. I didn't like what they were saying to me. I just like, okay, whatever. I mean, I get the shots that almost there's almost no pay pay phones. Like this is like the one weirdo that uses one. Mm -hmm. It just the monologue felt like an monologue, old man yeah. complaining about the future, and I'm Absolutely. just like, I don't want to hear this. I agree. You know, I was just like, eh. Um, it felt way out of place. Yeah, and it doesn't end with a monologue either. If it was bookended, maybe Twilight Zone esque, mm -hmm. that would have been something. But yeah, the monologue is definitely just comes out of nowhere. Do you just want me to keep going about what I didn't like about it? Do you want me to? Well, you can pivot to what you do like, but I imagine it's mostly going to be complaints. Uh, you're such a pain you didn't want me ass. to put it on the list to begin with. I don't want you to put anything on the list because I, I think you're I terrible. Because you, I, like yeah, you made terrible choice in films, brother. Terrible choice. You're right. Okay, is that what you want to hear? Is that what you want to hear? I didn't like the voiceover. I didn't like the caller's voice not sounding like it was coming through the phone. It was very off-putting that it was so like studio. Would you want to hear that for the full... I don't want it two hours though, a phone. Bo I, maybe, a phone maybe I want to mix. I don't want it to feel like he's in the studio. It felt like it was like, you know what I mean? I felt like he was in a recording studio and it was perfect volume. It was, maybe I just want to mix. Maybe it doesn't have to be completely over the phone, but give me, maybe make it a little less cleaner. Where would you mix it then? Or just change. I'm the mix just of saying, his voice. I'm saying it. I'm saying, Not give totally me the difference between through a phone Split. and in a studio. Don't make it sound like it's so like super it, clear. Yeah, that's all. I just, it kind of pulled me out because I was just like, uh, plus the fact that they recasted the recasted the role. Like Kiva Southern wasn't the original call. It was Ron Eldard, who's from ER, and he's in Super 8. He plays the dad of the girl in Super 8, who's uh, he's like the, the the drunk guy or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like him. So, but I can, I understand why you change it because probably because Schumacher came in and we could talk about how Schumacher was on it on the project and he left because uh, he was initially was going to be the guy that was going to direct this and then. He works with Sutherland before, so maybe it's just a preference thing. He wanted Kiefer Sutherland. Maybe they wanted a bigger name. Whatever. Sure. Uh, you know, so, so I mean, I'm wondering if all that dialogue was redone. Like, so they had to rush Sutherland into some kind of studio in L.A. and they just did it out. Right. You know, maybe that's what they were trying to do there. Even though during the shoot, somebody was delivering lines to Colin Farrell while they were shooting the scenes over the phone. The phone worked. I can see that you got You got to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, to get a great reaction, to get the timing right. Mm -hmm. I can't see him. I can't see the entire movie being about somebody on the phone. And not feeding them the lines to react to, because, you know, you get like short bursts of that in films or even stage plays that I've done. Right. And it's tough to act like someone's talking on the other end where you've got to internally just kind of talk the line out. So you time it correctly, even right. timing wise. So fun fact, it's 2000 and 
it's probably, I don't know if it's 99, but it's 2000. We're shooting our terrible, terrible movie, The Usher, at the local movie theater. And we're staying late at night. And we're, it's a terrible film. We're shooting on VHSC. Uh, and you'll never see it. No one will ever see it because it's so bad. Because deliver- <laughs> there's like a 15-minute scene where I am, I am butchering the JFK monologue where he's talking about the magic bullet, where I'm talking about a magic uh, broom killing somebody. It is, <laughs> and I'm doing the worst Southern accent you have ever heard in your entire life. So that just making everybody who listens want it more. No, well, that's fine. But you'll have to pay for that. And we're going to throw that behind a giant paywall. <laughs> but regardless, there's, there's a scene where I get picked up the phone and I have to talk to somebody. And so how we did it was we had, there were pay phones back then. We had somebody call from the pay phone. So, I, and the, this was it. Just call me from the pay phone. It was, a, it was a girl. It was a woman. Call me from the pay phone. Don't say anything. And I'm just going to deliver lines. Okay. So I'm delivering the lines. And while I'm delivering the lines, she goes on the phone. She goes, you're doing good. It's like, in the phone. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, come on, just come on. So yeah, <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> she's like, come on, that's not helping. Not that my, mind you, I'm not a trained actor. So I'm sure, you know, it didn't throw me. It probably threw me for a loop. It probably wouldn't throw a trained actor for a loop, but, um, but yeah, there you have it. So that's my little, my little phone story. <laughs> uh, so I, let me let's let me ask you this question, uh, and, and I know you like it, and that's fine. Now you 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 said the reasons why you liked it. Does it make you like it more that the fact that the scene the the movie was shot in twelve days? Well, it, the initial production was twelve days, ten days for the inside the booth, and two days for outside the booth. They did do reshoots and and come back and do pickups that later on, but right. we don't count that. The fact that it's shot on such a quick time, the fact that it's shot in real time, it's shot like run and gun, let's go. Does that make you, does that add to why you like the film because of the way it was put together or just does the film stand for you? Does this film stand alone uh, uh, just because of what you watch on screen for 121 minutes? Just because of what I watched on screen for 120 minutes. So it doesn't minutes. matter I mean, to you. I do like that it was shot like that. I like that it was shot in sequence. I like some of those facts. I also like the fact that it was turned into a stage play in Japan in 2009. Was, I watched this uh, and Elise was home when I was watching this and she said, has anyone tried to make this into a stage play? And just before I read the notes, I go, I don't think so. She goes, this would make a really good stage play. I'm like, I'm sure maybe some actor has done his monologue at the end on auditions. I don't understand why they wouldn't. Um, but I like the fact that it was made into a stage play, which is another reason I might like this. It's so contained. It's such an actor's movie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, just for Colin Farrell, he gets all of the juicy stuff. But it, it is kind of a, I like these contained films where it's like all right you're stuck in a phone booth here's what it is i like collateral you're stuck in a taxi with this killer here's how it is i kind of like those kind of i'm drawn to those films i guess and i don't know why but i think they're very interesting trying to get into each other's heads kind of kind of a thing because you're because you have a huge ego and you imagine yourself being on, on stage for 80 minutes and everyone looking at you i mean i sure that's part of it well it's but, also was a stage adaptation in atlanta in 2019 so there is a more recent version out there if you're looking to get your hands on this okay. <laughs> and there's an indian remake called knockout which i watched the trailer for Ooh. and he's like and they do a lot more back and forth between the actors like they show the the shooter talking well, I'd to him. imagine they'd have but to, the yeah. phone booth is as big as this room like it's a huge phone booth and it's smack in the middle of a rotunda. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm like, that's a pretty cool phone booth. But like, I'm like, this is huge. So I thought that was interesting too. You got to watch the trailer knockout. I got to try that. Yeah. Okay. But Hey, if you're looking for, if you're looking for a little one man show, there you go. I think that'd be a I'll cool play the show. sniper for you. Oh, thanks man. <laughs> I think that'd be a cool show. I think when, we, like I, I think 
we talked about when we did the beast i think the beast would be a cool stage play these contained movies would make good for good plays as well okay and i think that challenges an actor i, I think the fact that it is stage play stage plays really challenge actors i know we always like to bring up the fact that jake gyllenhaal when he was making big budget movie after movie and getting disillusioned was told hey can't remember who it is you said dustin hoffman dustin hoffman was like go go do stage he did a stage for a while and he, it improved his acting ability. He's done great things since then. Yeah, he asked Hoffman, ambulance, like, what should I do? He said, do stage. I haven't seen Ambulance. It's not good. <laughs> uh, I have not heard great things. Uh, well, he uh, might be good at it. it I just don't might care. Not be good. Well, we both loved Enemy, which we did for Why the Book Wins. I did like I was Enemy really Enemy. impressed with that movie. I don't um, love, was it Night Stalker? Oh, I liked uh, But I like him. And I, 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 I'm not, it's not a perfect film, but I did, I He's liked really him. Good, I like yeah. Rene Russo. I liked Rene, Rene Russo yeah. in that. You know, I liked, I liked what they were saying in that film. No, no, a lot of the stuff that he's done since then, like a lot of the prisoners and all that kind of stuff, I've enjoyed all those films. But I think, I think Colin Farrell is a good actor. He's a great actor. Yeah. And I think he's not given enough juicy rules like this, possibly because he's just kind of considered a heartthrob or a bad boy because of his alcoholism and like he kind of disappeared for a little while well i think this but. was the, he was like tigerland and then this were tigerland's a good film tigerland's really good yep. and then this and then he blew up and he got in big parts and big roles and we talked about him a little bit in our miami vice uh episode yep and he started doing a bunch of big things and then he kind of had to take a step back but then he's still th like the lobster and even in bruges he he is in stuff oh yeah he's in stuff that you don't even know like he is in that TV show that's on, it was on AMC plus where he, they're on the ship. Uh, they're, 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 they're in like the, I think it's called the North or something. It's kind of, it reminds me of the terror, but it's not the terror, but there he's like a captain. Or he's one of these guys or first mate on this like voyage through the, the icy of Alaska or something like that. Oh, I think. Yeah. I know, yeah. But he's in these show that you don't even realize that he's doing all this other stuff. He's in the H Hulu show. Lose, leaving losing yang or something like that oh yep yep it's a movie that's a movie yep yeah no so he is but doing the penguin he's Most doing people, good stuff even in the theater go that was colin farrell because he doesn't really announce it yeah no but he's like yeah he's a very good actor i think he's but i think he's doing what he wants to do and that's great yeah i don't have a problem with him in this film do you have a problem with the fact that they only shot one day in the city and then they got up and left because it was too cold did you see that note yeah kind of so they like, so why the, not just film it when you know yeah. it's going to be warm enough to film outside well so the phone booth was on West 53rd Street between Broadway and 8th Avenue. And they, sh they were shooting in November 2000. This movie shot in 2000. And uh, it was too cold. So for one day, it was too cold for the cast and crew. So they shot one day, packed it up, and moved to downtown LA on 5th Street. And it's just like, at that point, you're like, meh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it still looks all right. It, it doesn't look like not New York, which is I'm, I'm okay with. I just yeah. we've talked about how we both or I I don't I can't prefer remember to we prefer New, yeah. New York City when it's part of the movie it just makes it feel better sure. I don't know it make it more more authentic the fact that I read the note I was just like nah all right but whatever. that's also you and I living so close to the city oh. that we go to the city <laughs> that we go to the city so often that mm -hmm. we know it's so instantaneous like that's not the city right like I talk about the Hulk all the the, the first Marvel Incredible Hulk is just awful because it looks like toronto or canada it's like clearly sure. not new york city and just instantly takes you out this is the one with uh with edward uh, norton edward norton i actually yeah. like that one i like the i like the scene on the i like the scene at the college when they fight that whole thing the college is cool yeah. but as soon as they get to new york city it's completely not new no, york it's city. it's the only hulk movie you're ever gonna get like, i know which is which is a shame because i'm okay with it at this point the well actually so we've had two hulk so jokey that they can't make a good hulk movie well they include the 
they they kind of include the one that's with Eric Bana. Like that's kind of part of it. Oh, I know. They yeah. kind of tease it. The but theme. they don't. It's not part of any kind of phase one or two or something like that. But it's, it's just early. That he's been hiding, and that you have to right, right. Yeah. Well, I don't want to talk about the Hulk. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, give me something else that you really dug about it. Then I guess because I can keep going about what you. <laughs> um. Well, I've got some little things that I can talk about in terms of the actual story, not the overall movie itself, but I don't want to get into that until later, maybe. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of lines that are good. It's a lot of self-contained stuff. It's a lot of, I also like that while you're doing it. And again, this is kind of shaded by me watching with Elise last time, this, this current time. Sure. Um, I had watched it with her before, so she'd already seen it before, but not a long time. And I've watched this a bunch of times. She kept saying things like whenever Kiefer Sutherland, the caller would make demands or be like this and she's like well that can't happen because you proved this or you proved that and then you know he would say well you know especially like the bullets like for example they just find the bullets they just know the bullets aren't going to be pistol bullets they're going to be sniper bullets and uh, she's trying to true crime podcast and then Kiefer Sutherland goes they won't be able to prove anything because of the hollow point bullets and the bullets chart on impact which is why you can't find any around the body and she's like shit I'm going to come to defense okay but he shot him from the back not from the oh, front. That's true. You could also do yeah. that. Yeah. So it's, you, but it wouldn't matter at what, that point because he'd be shot dead anyway. So yeah. they'd be after the fact. And the witnesses were all the hookers and they would all be like, well, he, uh, he must have turned around, must have turned around. One thing also with the sniper, because he brings up the other two people that he murdered. Oh, you must have heard these two, which we, which we never heard. So I have to, we have to get this second hand. Yeah, that was a little weird. That should have been yeah. introduced somehow in the beginning. Correct. I believe so. But if you're trying to shoot in real time, I guess you can't do that. Fine. But. If that was, if those were, those are two sniper rifle sniper fires in the middle of the city, the police aren't aware of this. The police don't think about like that doesn't pop into their head. But the other reason why this movie was pushed back was this movie was supposed to come out uh, November 15th, 2002, but it was pushed to April 2003 because in October of 2002, you had the Beltway sniper attacks. So you had uh, the, okay, right. Yep. And so. Just for example, like that, like turned that city upside down. Mm-hmm. So there's two people in the middle of New York City that are shot in the span of, let's just say the last two months or something like that. And now you have this situation arise that the, the cops are just totally clueless and don't, they, that doesn't like factor in. They don't ever, they don't ever bring it up. Well, were they, were they sniper rifles? He said that. Well, I assume they're sniper rifles because when they showed them, they were from the vantage point they of were the from sniper. The point. But also- you, they were almost certainly not killed by that phone booth. So though why, True. Why he might have met them in the phone booth, he might have ended up deploying his plan elsewhere, Joker style or Riddler style or whatever well, Batman villain he is. Maybe I want a couple lines in there where the cops say something like, do you think this is what happened? You know what I mean? I see. I thought I remembered them mentioning it at some point mm-hmm. once they figured out a sniper on the roof. I thought they had mentioned that and then they never do. But I had thought right. that was in the movie. But then they have this, this, the guy that comes in, the negotiator that fights with the captain. Ugh, I don't like that part. Agreed, because it's so unrealistic. It's it's stupid. So They're fighting in front of everybody, yeah. and and I mean, maybe we've seen way too many movies, but when there's a situation like this, there's a freaking trail that's set up, and they're all in there. They're not doing this out in the open in front of everybody. Number one, and number two, when they fight, I guess suddenly make up or they're going to listen to Forrest oh, Whitaker. He's so like, he's like, yes, yes, captain. It's like, so you're his subordinate. Yeah. Why are you pushing him and telling him what's <laughs> do, what's what, if you're like not his rank? Yeah. So I didn't get that at all. Oh, I don't like that. That's classic. Just like trying to be Hollywood cop, cop drama. Right. 
Like, get out of here. You have seen too much. You're trying to get him killed. I'm in charge of this operation. <laughs> like, like an old I do phone booth cop guy. stuff here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm the phone booth division. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't understand that. Um, it, it, it just. The other thing, but back to the shooters, back to. So the, the I want to go back to the other okay, two yeah. attacks. He, the shooter, the caller. Kiefer Sutherland, the caller, tells Stu that he killed one guy because he was a pedophile. Right. Okay. And the other because he stole money. He was a man that stole money. Right. But he's going to kill Stu because he's disrespectful. He's a douche. That yeah. that does that. Those two crimes don't add up to being but disrespectful. Even Colin Farrell kind of says that. It's like, I don't, I don't kill kids. I'm not a murderer. I don't, I don't touch kids. Yeah. I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. But I think that's that. just supposed to show that that's the caller is just. Unhinged. He's obviously crazy. No normal person does that. He's so crazy, but he can he he's not crazy enough to set up the pizza guy to take the fall and and to and to just walk amongst this crime scene like nobody's business well, at the end of the other film, people, which I think I think is unrealistic as well. So at the end just of the movie, the you you get Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, you you see him. You wait and until he, Colin Farrell yeah. is drugged up. We have the burbs ending where Colin Farrell's in the, <laughs> in, the in the back of the ambulance, and it's revealed who the bad guy is. Uh, and the so, burbs episode one season <laughs> for some <laughs> so the caller, you know, you oh my god, it's him. Walk straight up to the phone booth, which is a crime scene that's not roped <laughs> off. <laughs> stares in, not even that he just glances past the phone booth, openly stares inside. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Carrying what's clearly a sniper rifle briefcase. Is carrying a giant metal case that is clearly the size of a sniper rifle, (laughs) and nobody says anything. And they're just kind of like, who's that guy? What I haven't seen in the movie. I'm just like, what? Oh, that was. That's mm. New York City. That's not New York City. That's just (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Defend that, Butler. I ain't defending that. (laughs) It is what it is. It's semi sequel set up. It's a Hitchcockian ending. It works. <laughs> it's not a Hitchcockian ending. That would not. No. No. But one, my my one quote here about the whole movie itself was, this movie feel it, it, the movie feels like a what if, like what if this happened, right? Sure. And that's fine. I get that. But it it's not it's not a spontaneous what if. It feels like a planned what if. Like well, everything has to break. Forty right years for in the, the making. What if. what if? I get that. But it just it 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 it, it just doesn't. Like I said, my biggest note is it just didn't hold up. I, I back then, twenty years ago, I can understand people getting into. I like the idea of something shot in real time. I think I brought up with you Nick of Time before with Johnny Depp. You did, and I have not seen that. That but that's, you have brought that. That, up. but I don't remember in the advertising for this film if that was a part of it, like shot in real time. I don't think it was. But Nick of Time was like the big thing about Nick of Time was that it shot in real time happens in ninety minutes. Like. That was a big part of it. So going in, you were like, oh, sweet, because they had a ticking clock, too, going down. Okay. So that was kind of part of that experience. So I, I do like that, that this is shot in real time once. But again, I, maybe that would have been better if they brought it up and said, like, you know, this happens in all in real time, all in one day, all in You got minutes. the narrator saying all the other crap. You might as well say uh, it. Like I said, though, like we talked about, we both <laughs> thought that was an old man, uh, you know, complaining about the oh, stupid cell phones. <laughs> There's no more phone booths in New York City <laughs> where clearly no one talks to anybody except for hookers dialing their pips. Uh, so who cares? I didn't understand. Like, I didn't know. He calls them hookers and they get mad about that. 
So I'm like, okay, maybe they're not Did hookers. Maybe they're hooker? maybe they're dancers. And then they start going over to this other guy who is a, clearly a bouncer for a dance club or right. dance. So okay, so they're strippers now. I don't strippers that also yeah. moonlight as hookers. <laughs> but she even says she's got to call her pimp. Is that what she says? She oh, says she's okay. got to call her pimp. Why don't they have cell phones? They make a lot of money. They're beepers. Uh, I guess. I guess. But, but uh, Stu had two cell phones, didn't he? He's, he's, a, he's a PR guy on the on the rise. <laughs> Stu's got what it takes. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about, well, you talked about the phone booths. There are actually four phone booths, four working phone booths in New York City at this moment as well. There's, they're all on the Upper West Side, 66th Street, 90th Street, 100th Street, and 101st Street. And they're kept there. They work there, but they're kept there as artifacts to preserve the history of New York City. So you can use so they these work, but it's just like they're only there because they're only there because they don't want to get rid. Which I I can I can respect. Sure, I, I appreciate. It. So there are phone booths. So if you're ever in the city and you want to use a phone <laughs> booth, there you go. Look for those streets. Uh, Schumacher was the first director attached to this film. I don't know if you saw this note, but he dropped out to shoot Flawless. Saw that. Then Mel Gibson came on that he was going to direct, and Mel Gibson was set to star in it as well. He had to back out. Uh, but he, a lot of his ideas were kept in the script, but then he had to drop out. Then the Hughes brothers were going to do this movie, but then From Hell got greenlit. So they went off and did From Hell, which is an episode we did. Yes, it is. Then Michael Bay comes on. <laughs> and oh, the first, I think Michael Bay's I, now. And the first thing he says is, go ahead, Bella. <laughs> How do we get him out of the phone yeah. So What's the point of the movie, man? They shut him down. He's off. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. What, what are you doing? And then Flawless had wrapped at that point. So Schumacher came back and, re- and returned. And came oh, you're still movie. doing this movie, huh? <laughs> Michael Bay. I'll give him another goddamn phone booth. Okay, Mike, thanks for coming in. Uh, you know, the, if we, I blow up the phone yeah. booth, he's dead. So I need to blow up some more Feel stuff. free to take a water on your way out, but we're good here. Thanks. Bye. Uh, I mean, come Can on. I blow up this water on yeah. the way out. <laughs> so, so stupid. <laughs> would you have liked it? And I'm going to tell you no right off the bat. I wouldn't have liked it because the original choice for the caller's voice was Roger Jackson, who was the voice of Ghostface for Scream. I would have hated it. It was yeah. too close to Scream. Too much. It too would much. have been an instantly. This is Scream. Yeah. Scream face. This too much. What if it connected to the Scream world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, if it I connected I, to the Scream world. That would have been amazing. I understand why. I understand why you think about that. Oh, I'd love to get him because he is. So, it's an. It's a voice now that everyone. Yeah. But he is so linked to the Scream series that you can't do that now. You absolutely cannot do that. Hey, Stu. <laughs> you like scary movies? Seriously. Why? Stu- oh, I'm, just asking, I'm just there's asking. I'm just asking. There's a Stu in the first screen. So, yeah, it would be very confusing. <laughs> uh, did you know that Jared Leto was going to was gonna be in this film? He is in this he, film. I guess cut. he's in a cut version, like the FX when they show it. They yeah. show it with his scenes. I've never seen that. I've seen this movie so many times. He's an actor that Farrell, that Stu talks to about his, he's in a theater production called Dracula. And I, <laughs> yeah, and I guess he's just, he has a scene where he talks to him, but they cut he it. He plays Morbius now. Oh, God. I haven't seen that. I mean, it don't. don't. <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, whatever. Jared Leto, he's, I'm, I'm not so pro Jared Leto anymore. Butler's not a fan. Yeah. Butler's not a fan. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the other things, I mean, I mean, I got, I have more facts. You want me to get to some more facts here? Do I have more facts? I do. I do. There's a lot of facts in this movie. Yeah. Well, the scenes are shot in order as they mm-hmm. happened. And I guess they had to do that because Farrell's wardrobe never showed up until the last day because he has, so he's wearing the same suit, suit throughout so the production. Distressing it. Right. So, well, they, I guess they had, they were going to have other suits, but since they shot in real time, all the stuff that was happening to a suit matched up. So it didn't matter. Nice. So that it worked, but I thought that was interesting. We talked about how it was written. So the fast pace to the film schedule was because they adopted French hours. 
you know what French hours are for a production? I do not. Tell me more. It's a work schedule that basically skips the one hour production window for lunch to shut down. So they don't shut down for lunch. <gasps> you just eat as you work. <gasps> That's it's common. It's common. That's what I prefer. That's, I hate shutting down. So French hours, if you don't know, is also called independent cinema because no, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much how everyone works. Do you I, mean, you maybe break for a half hour to eat, but I hate doing union rules and like breaking you have like to, in though. the middle. I get that. Cause I get the, people abuse it. Some people are not actors and it's like the guy holding the boom arm. He, his, his arms are sore. Right. People in the booth and everything, they want to go home. But as an actor, I'm just like, can we keep going? Well, when you do it during rehearsal too, yeah. it's like, I just want to keep going. I just want to keep doing my thing. But you're not, you're not working throughout those 14 hours. You're waiting. You're a lot of wait. You're doing a as lot an actor, of waiting. Yeah, you were yeah. doing like the cast, the crew. So I get that you have to. For it, it wouldn't. As an actor, I'm just like, let's go. Yeah, 14 hour workdays are terrible, and 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 they don't they push it. And I mean, they 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 try to get in pages like nonstop, and especially indie films, and they want to crank out all this content. Yeah. It's just people abuse it, and it's it's not great. And the other thing is, I mean, if you had shifts, if you had crews that worked different shifts. Like you had, a, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Okay, fine. Yeah. But it's just, it's not ideal. You, there's nothing wrong with a nine to five schedule. Take your time. You don't have sure. to, you know, that's the thing. Take your time. There's so, I mean, I would say, and we, I mean, I think I've talked about this. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but we probably talked about it off air. I talk about it all the time. There's such a, just too much content right now. There's so much stuff. You get drowned in it. There's so many shows mm-hmm. that we talk about that we want to watch. I'm like, oh crap, I didn't know that stuff. I don't know that stuff. Like the freaking Mike Myers show started. And oh, I was like, yeah, it, yeah, it's like there's just a bunch of stuff that starts that you don't think about. And you're like, I had it. You just get drowned in it. And you know, it's like, that's not good. That's not healthy for for content to just yeah. always be. There's so much of it, of it. So take your time making these things and 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 do them right. But no one's going to listen to me because they just want to crank them out there. Nobody cares. That's right. Nobody cares. Someone's got to pay for Peacock. <laughs> Oh, uh, the extras were no, I know. Could you just call it Universal Plus at this point? <laughs> the extras were never given a script. The, anything that happened in the movie was their genuine reactions. They did not know what was going to happen. And he's taking the gun. He's what? Including the speech that Pharaoh gives, which he does in one take. The speech where he just completely awesome. tells every just so the speech where he has to admit everything he's done. He has to be honest about himself. And it's basically towards the end of the film. And he does it in one take. And after he does it, everyone applauds and claps. And and again, we've talked about how we both like Colin Farrell. We think he's a great actor. So um, yeah, that's not surprising that he's able to do that. That speech is amazing. Yeah. It's good. No, it's, it's, I don't, nothing, pro- I have no problem with that. No problem with that. What I do have a problem with <laughs> is how many times is the shooter going to chamber around before shooting? He chambers, there's times when he's talking on the phone and he keeps chambering the round. It's like, are you going to fire? Because I know you just can't keep chambering the round and not, and <laughs> Oh, I, Fire the I, damn gun. I always imagined he'd never had any intention of firing the gun. Maybe. But he did. He well, shot he shot Leon. He shoots Leon because he's asked. And then he shot the window. He shoots the window. But then other than that, I don't think he has any intention on killing Stu. I think he wants the cops to kill him. I think he wants the cops to kill him or for Stu to find a way out. This is Stu's redemption. I think he in his insanity truly believes that i don't think i think he well he already proved that he would shoot the other two dudes so why wouldn't he shoot Stu? the other two dudes are irredeemable <laughs> but Stu is disrespectful to women yeah one dude stole millions of dollars from other innocent people and the other guy was a child molester Stu's just a douchebag yeah which i again i don't get that i just don't understand it's just who he what, could find yeah, out of that phone yeah with. You know, it doesn't make sense if he's looking at the whole city of villains, but he's only looking people through the phone book. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, could he get one of the prostitutes? But like the prostitutes probably had a bad life, which is why they're where they are. They're so. dancers. 
did he just call me a hooker? And when she calls him, I guess uh, she's she calls him an N word. Yeah. Like she, she's not supposed to. She just says that that was an ad lib. And so Farrell's reaction is like, it's like real because <laughs> he was like, "What? Wait, what?" So I thought that was great. That was a, that was a nice uh, that was a nice moment. How was supposed to react to this? How about when Captain Ramy walks up and walks starts talking to Kelly, Stu's wife, and just talks about how he had suicidal thoughts. I'm like, whoa, dude. He's very open. That, He's that's, a very yeah. open. Hey, man, I get it. You never know. Sometimes I, want, I wanted to eat a gun. Whoa, dude, slow I down. I can't in front of my wife. It's all right. Uh, yeah, like it was just, it was a little bit of an overshare you there. Gotta, you, gotta, you gotta talk to people. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of the red dot because it was so phony looking. You know, when I was younger, I used to be a fan of the red dot. Now I hate red dot. It just didn't look good. It looked it looked like they put it in after oh, they the did fact. Definitely put it in post. But now growing up and, you know, you learn that in real life, there is no red dot sign mm-hmm. or anything. It's just like, now I hate the red dot when I see it. I go, yeah. no one's seeing that. That does not exist. And we're talking about the uh, sight, the red sight that's sometimes dot, on yeah, sniper on rifles sniper. that you can, like, you see where you're going to shoot. They yeah. showed it one time on Stu, and it just looked bad. In real life, white. you see it on your holographic sight. Only you see it. You're not telegraphing to anyone. You're going to yeah, do it. Yeah, not a fan. Rifle. Not a fan. Not, not a fan. Did you know Steven Spielberg was attached to the director of this film? Steven Spielberg is attached to probably 85% of the movies. And that's probably <laughs> just because I sent the script to Steven Spielberg. He's attached. Like, he's attached to everything. Steven Spielberg said that this is the film that Hitchcock would want to direct if he were still yeah, alive. Yeah, he was going to if Cohen figured <laughs> out how to keep him in the freaking phone booth. I can't believe it took them 60, 40 years to figure out what if there was a sniper. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe there's a guy in a gun keeping him there. Did you know that there was a different ending written? So the original ending was Stu stepped out of the booth and started firing at the windows with the, with the gun that he he leaves up there right. for him. Then after Stu fires, there's a rubber bullet hits him. He goes down. The captain comes in, steps in the phone booth, gets the receiver, and he hears the SWAT team coming through the door and wounding the caller. And the script ends with where Ramey wants a final statement from the caller. And he says directing it to studio but you'll never forget me i gave you the most thrilling day of your life say thanks and then he dies that that was the ending that was the original ending in the script kind of like that a little better you like that they he's actually doesn't get away i like that he doesn't get away i like that he gets one last word with Stu. Mm-hmm. i don't know i i don't hate the ending where he meets Stu at the end and he walks away it's it's Really kind of Hitchcockian, like, ooh, the murderer got away. It's the burbs. But it's also. <laughs> I can't get the burbs out of my head now. It's also a little lame in that it's unearned. It just kind of comes out of nowhere that he's able to escape that fast, kill the pizza guy and get away. I kind of like the fact that he has one last moment with Stu where Stu is cognizant of things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I died, but I gave you the most thrilling day of your life. I mean, I don't know what maybe saying the most thrilling day of your life, but maybe where he's like, I saved you. You'll have a better life now or something like that. I kind of would prefer that. Are we supposed to be tricked into thinking that the pizza guy was the actual sniper at all? No, I never thought that. I mean, no yeah. matter when I watched, even movie. if you didn't know it was Kiefer Sutherland's voice, you know, it's because it's a pretty, it's a pretty discernible voice. You know what he sounds like, but even if you didn't know that when you met the pizza guy and he didn't sound anything like that when he started talking exactly, to us too. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, you never would think it was the pizza guy, and neither should Stu. Yeah. Because he was talking to the other guy for so long. Yeah. It's not the same guy. It's not the same voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the pizza guy leaves with barely enough time to cross the street, and the phone rings, and it's yeah. somebody else anyway. Yeah. So, so it doesn't really but, but here's the thing with the pizza guy the pizza guy leaves 
did he have another pizza to deliver to the caller or did he bring, did he deliver the same pizza to the caller? And how did he, why did he decide to deliver the phone booth first? What if he decided to deliver the caller first? Caller probably delivered another pizza afterward. <laughs> Would be my guess. Just saying these things add up. Let's talk about, I got some, uh, I've got some critic notes here. See if you agree with these. I'm sure you do. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times gave the film three stars. And he said that Sutherland's performance, if the voice doesn't work, neither does the movie. It does. So that's he thought that if the voice wasn't a good component of the film, that the whole film would just fall apart. Would you agree with that? Sutherland's got a great villain behind a mask kind mm-hmm. of voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Todd McCarthy of Variety Magazine criticized the film for not having enough material, even for its rel- relatively short link and wrote, short length, excuse me, and wrote gussied up with a host of filmmaking tricks in an attempt to keep things lively. This intensely acted little exercise just doesn't have enough going for it with the exception of gradually growing interest in lead Colin Farrell. So clearly Farrell's new, which is interesting. You know what I mean? So what do you think of that? Gussied up with a host of filmmaking tricks, Butler. I don't know if I believe that. I think it makes its runtime of 120 minutes worth it. What do you think the filmmaking tricks he's talking about? Handheld? Probably the handheld shots, the quick cuts, going back and forth between different things. It's. Uh, I will say this. It's very, you know what it reminded me of was the movie we did, The Chase, for Forgotten February, for uh, The Pint. Oh, whereas that's very 90s. This is right. This, yes. It felt like a very, you know, that type of it's film. It's definitely cut of its time. Right. Yeah. And it's. I know it's trying to be topical with the, the cell phone stuff, which in The Chase they do a little bit. Um, I will say this. I do like this better than the chase. So how about that? Butler? Well, thanks, man. I mean, that, <laughs> you like, you like garbage instead of shit, but that's whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, so I guess who would be the question for why it was forgotten? Who, who, who would answer that first? What do you think? Me or you? I'll go for it. Cause okay. I always answer first. This is well, real. All right. I, why is this forgotten? Why are we saying it's forgotten? Well, it's clearly, I, I wonder if this is one of the type of films that it depends on the generation, like when you watched it. You know, I was, when I caught maybe parts of it or when I caught, I was in my mid-20s. You were obviously younger than me. Right. So I'm wondering if that has something to do with it, maybe why we both have different reactions. Um, you know, as always, when I watch a film, I always message my buddy Adrian. And we both had, but we're both the same age, so that really doesn't matter. But we both had the same opinion that we just didn't, but we both didn't think it, it held up. And that's my biggest thing. I don't think it holds up. Now, is it forgotten? I don't know, because it made a lot of money. So maybe because it's a, it's such a short film, like we talked about, it's one of Colin Farrell's earlier ones. I would probably venture a guess that people don't know that he was in Tigerland as much as they know that he's in Phone Booth. Sure. So- I'm wondering if this is the type of film that maybe isn't forgotten, but maybe in terms of, oh, I forgot he was in that movie or, but it was more like, oh, I forgot about that film that I like that film, but we never told, maybe it's one of those type of forgotten films. So maybe it's not forgotten in terms of people just didn't give it a fair shake. Maybe it's just forgotten because there's just been so much since then. It's been 20 years. And and I think we're, you know, when you talk about like the movies that come back at the 25th anniversary and the 30th anniversary and the 40th anniversary, like this is, we're coming upon this movies, uh, this movie's 20th anniversary technically because 2003. Right. That it came out. Um, so I, I think in that regard, uh, I think maybe it's probably more forgotten by the older generations than it is by the younger generations. Not that we're so different in terms of our age difference. Right. 
So that would probably be what I think in terms of why it's forgotten. But I'm, why do you think? Uh, I think Colin Farrell's done a lot of other stuff. I think this movie is steeped in early 2000s. Just the look of the film. The, I mean, the cars driving around the city, the cop cars that pull up. I'm just like, whoa, no one drives those anymore. And mm-hmm. this is like 2000. I felt like I wasn't old until I saw the cars driving up. And I was just like, Ugh, this is old. <laughs> well, this isn't popping in my head, but real quickly, like the difference between Die Hard with a Vengeance in New York and, the, and all the cops there in this film are just markedly different. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't. I, maybe just because the way they shot it, maybe because this movie was shot so quickly. And besides the fact that they're not in New York at really, yeah. but, but the reason why it was shot so quickly. So maybe it's a little bit grittier, but not, not gritty in the sense of that's what they were intended. It was just gritty in the sense of we're not putting a lot of lights in this. We're just shooting, running and you know, running, gunning kind of thing. Right. You know, so um, maybe it, because it was a different time of year. I don't know, but that's, that's something that just popped in my head while you said that. I mean, it's the style as well. Just that early 2000s style. Colin Farrell's really the only big actor in there. I mean, Kiefer Sutherland isn't putting butts in the seats nowadays. I mean, 24 was big, yeah, but he's a TV actor. Uh, Katie Holmes, you know, as much as she's a name that everybody knows, but she doesn't do a lot. Uh, Agreed. I I, I like Katie Holmes. I like her and stuff, but um, I, I agree with you. She's... Arata Mitchell's clearly not like a huge actor. It's a yeah. very much Her, a one man show. Katie Holmes medium is probably TV more than anything, which is not a knock. It's just, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. I think Colin Farrell's the only draw. Well, if he's not good, if Colin Farrell's, now, if Colin Farrell's not a good well, actor, if he's not good. This movie wasn't making any money. I don't think this movie would yeah. be, we'd be talking about this. So if it was a bad actor, it, it probably would never got made. But it's I think the reason I kind of remember this movie is right. I remember all the, the, Parts with right. Colin Farrell. Well, if you're yeah. watching, if you're like, if you're like, hey, listen, check out Phone Booth. Colin Farrell's like amazing in it. And that's really the biggest reason why you should watch it. I get that. I understand that. Would you recommend this movie to anybody? I probably would recommend this film to people who dug actors, who liked Colin Farrell, who either wanted to be an actor or really dug actor work or like you talk about this type of movie. But I would always say with the caveat, it's a definitely a 2002 film. It's, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're going to think it's amazing. But if if you're just focusing on performance, specifically Colin Farrell's performance, then yes, you'll you'll enjoy it. I just like I said, I just it just it's one of those films that just doesn't hold up for me, and that's maybe that's just how it is. So, like we talk about the movie um, about the crack epidemic. Oh, uh, New Jack City. Yes, we talk about how New Jack City, like how they're going to remake it, and we had that whole you thing. Can't where like, it. Right, that movie was. Sp- perfectly set in the mid in the early nineties, boom, done. That's it. And and I can look back at that film and, and say like, so some things don't hold up, but I know that it's in that place in time. Right. And that's where it belongs. It's like, it's like Dr. Who, it's a fixed point in time. <laughs> you know? So I think maybe that's probably very similar to this film. It's a fixed point in time in terms of representative of what was happening in 2002 and what they were trying to do filmmaking wise. Sure. So that with that caveat, I think if you know what I mean, I think I I don't think somebody who never saw it before, I don't know if they like it because it's twenty years old and it's the first time they, and they've seen so many different films from then since from now. I don't know sure. if they'll really dig it like like you probably are dug it. I don't know because I don't think there are that many one man kind of show movies anymore. You should watch Cellular. I I, I kind of really like Cellular. You should check that out. I don't know if I've part of me thinks I've seen. Kate, uh, Kim Basinger, I've Chris seen Evans. Cellular. Yeah. I, you know what I equate cellular like? I equate with the Patrick Dempsey film from the 80s run where he's trapped in the Connecticut town 
and it's like a really quick movie, but like it's just he's trying to get out of town. I actually like that film too. Uh, you probably never saw that film. You have no idea what I'm talking about. I have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. Yeah, that's about. a that's a that's an older film. Um, but I equate cellular like that, like a and like a quick film. And I'll say this, like it's the 80 minute length for film booth is good. If this movie was like 10, 15 minutes longer, oh, it'd be too long. I'd be I'd be probably really rough on it because it would just be boring. I would get bored. Um, but I think that the 80 minute runtime is a good runtime. I think, th- but these type of films that are 80 minutes like that, that are boom, 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 boom. Right. Are definitely good films to kind of watch and, and, and be able to appreciate because there's, they're getting to the story and getting out, which we all, we always talk about that. We like, I have seen cellular. It's okay. for, it was forgettable, but it was, well, ouch. I like okay. cellular. I like it. There's nothing wrong with it. I just, it's okay. Okay, whatever. Yeah, you don't I, have to I shit did, on something I, I like because one. I didn't like phone booth. It's, it's all right. No, you're just being a little tit for tat. They're a little tit for tat. Indiana Jones also. <laughs> do you really want to go down that path? No, because I love Indiana Jones. You know yeah, right. exactly. Go listen I'm to the just, pine. Go listen to the I'm pine just, episode where I defend I just, Indiana Jones for. I just want to hurt you like you. <laughs> <laughs> Such a fucking baby. <laughs> where can they find us? You can find us at com. Or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all our other great content we got going on. Uh, you can also find us on all the other great podcast platforms, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, uh, Ghana Podcasts. All the, all <laughs> keep pushing stuff. Ghana. I don't know I'm going to keep pushing Ghana. That used to be big for us. Yeah, well, that needs to get know, big for us well, we're, not, we're not big anymore. We no, stink. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, check, us, uh, check us out on the lobby on Facebook where we talk about films. Let us know. Uh, if you agree with Field or you agree with me that phone booth is not that bad, then let us know your opinions on it, or if you've ever seen it, or right. if you'll watch it again. It's free on HBO Max. Yes, it is. And join us next week. We're going to be going to 1994, where a movie that Butler never saw, so I'm sure he's just not going to like out of pure spite. I mean, after this. We starts Ray Liotta called No Escape. I don't know if you guys remember this. It's about, a, it's basically an island of, uh, island of criminals, and they're left to base, they're left to rot and die on a prison island inhabited by Two camps of convicts. Come on. What's not to love here? Uh, I was going to say I'm not going to like it, but Lance Hendrickson's in it. 1994. No escape. Get ready. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully it's probably not available anywhere. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's next week. Until then, everyone have a great rest of your week. I am Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This month, we're checking out New Earths as we hop across the DC-verse on... Yet another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family.